You're listening to the Social Spectrum Podcast with Gina Galliotto. Here we prove that success on social media and in entrepreneurship is not one size fits all and discuss thriving online through the lens of different personality types, lifestyles, and neurodiversity. Success lives on a spectrum, so your impossible search for the one right way to grow your online business ends here. On the Social Spectrum Podcast, we'll unfold your right way instead. Let's dive in. Welcome back to part two of our Q&A series in which I answer all of your questions that you submitted to me about full-time content creation, UGC or user-generated content, digital products, mindset, entrepreneurship, and beyond. So I'm going to jump right into it today with question number one, which is what steps do you take to research and develop a content strategy? I really love this question because now I have this really short, sweet, concise answer to it, but it took me a while to kind of figure out what to prioritize and in what order to do things. So here are the four steps that I would do to develop your content strategy. So number one is introspection. You really need to think a lot about what problem you want to solve with your content and who you want to solve it for. So you need to obviously be thinking about your audience. And then you also have to be thinking about your own goals. What outcomes do you want for doing this within your own life? So a lot of introspection, I think, comes into play first. The next thing that I would do is market research. So What I mean by that is figure out what is and what is not working for other creators in your niche right now. Everything from topics they're talking about to the style of editing that they're using to trends that they're hopping on, etc. You really want to nail down the trends, not just as far as like the trending audios, but I mean the trends and what's happening in the actual market and how you can use those to your advantage. The next thing that I would consider when developing your content strategy is goal setting. So this kind of goes with the introspection part. You really need to know what outcomes you want so that you can set super, super clear goals. You want these goals to be very measurable. I made this mistake at the beginning where I would be like, okay, my goal is to grow on TikTok. And it's like, what does that mean? You know, like there was no way for me to realize when I achieved that goal. So I really had to get specific. And instead of choosing goals that were kind of out of my control, even by like setting follower count goals, which I still had in the back of my mind, I instead really liked to focus on stuff I could control. So like my goal setting would be posting X times per week. So I think at the beginning, I was making my goal like four times per week or something like that. And if I exceeded it, great. But that was my measurable goal. I could see, okay, did I hit it or did I not? And that led to my growth, my follower growth, right? That bigger picture goal. So that is so, so important. I always like to talk about that. And then the last thing that I would say is to adapt. So adaptation is the last thing. You really want to adjust your strategy based on the results that you're seeing, based on what your community is telling you in your DMs and in your comments and your analytics, your insights, all of these things, and never get too stuck in your ways. You really can't do that in this industry. It's an ever-changing industry. If not week to week, it's day to day. (laughs) So you really need to be willing to change what you're doing, 
and to step outside of your comfort zone pretty much at all times. <laughs> I was just actually having a conversation in my comments about this, that content creation is definitely the biggest self-development journey that I've ever been on. And so, yeah, you'll be changing at all times, but it's a part of the fun. So those are the things that I would consider when developing your content strategy. And the next question is, how much content should I have on my page and how consistently should I be posting before I refer brands to it? So this question is in reference to when someone is referring brands to their TikTok page as a portfolio, meaning they want to work with this brand to create content for them. So my answer to this is, if you currently don't have a lot of content on your page, I would actually be building you know, an offline portfolio. So off of your TikTok alongside of building up your socials, because I think having optimized socials is super, super important for every business, every freelancer, including UGC creators and content creators so that you can attract clients to you. Right. But if you're still learning, put your most quality work into a portfolio that you've created, even if you haven't actually posted that content and you've just created it for practice and then refer brands there for now so that you can give yourself the freedom to experiment and practice on your actual social media page, on your actual TikTok. And then when or if you do want to switch to referring brands to your socials for them to take a look at your content, just wait until you're confident in the quality and consistency of the content that you are putting out there and not necessarily waiting till you have a certain amount of posts up or until you have a certain amount of followers. So that is what I would say for referring brands to your TikTok as a portfolio. Okay. Next question is how do you get over the fear of putting yourself out there and creating authentic content? This is so huge because this is something that held me back for years and years in my own journey. You may have heard me talk about the fact that something that stopped me for so long was my fear of talking to the camera. And so obviously, like I said, self-development is such a big part of this. So you are going to slightly hate this answer, but you have to think of it of how you overcome literally any fear. And that is to face it (laughs) and just to do it, which like I said, that's an answer that I always hated hearing because it's not super tangible. But if you can just find the courage to take the leap and start putting yourself out there, that's the only way that you're going to prove to yourself that it's really not so scary after all. No one's going to be able to convince you until you actually do it and realize it yourself. Trust me, I'm coming at you from someone who has been exactly in that place. So I can tell you, you know, it's going to be okay until I'm blue in the face, but you're just not going to believe it, like I said, until you do it. So start today and be okay with being cringy and be okay with failing. And that is always my advice. Get super comfortable with failing because it is inevitable and you can just make it fun and enjoy the process because I promise anyone who would call you cringy or judge you for putting yourself out there, it's definitely a them problem. I just posted about this actually on my Instagram where I was talking about how I myself I hate to admit this, but used to be kind of a creator hater. Like I would cringe when people were putting themselves out there, but it was because I was projecting, right? Like I was so jealous that I couldn't put myself out there and I was afraid of doing that. And so 
you trust me, it's a them problem, right? Like now I'm a full-time content creator. It was my dream. And so I was holding myself back in that instance. And you really don't want to be doing that to yourself. So I know that it sucks to hear, but you've just got to do it. You've just got to rip off the bandaid and I promise it will be worth it. Okay. Next question. Where did you begin when you decided to start your business and become a full-time independent contractor? Going from working for a company to starting your own business sounds scary, and it feels like I might miss something in the process in keeping myself organized and staying on track from the get-go. So that's such a great question and so relatable. I'm sure so many people are thinking about this. And I think a lot of freelancers and entrepreneurs kind of just accidentally start. I think that's just such a huge misconception that people are going into it ultra prepared and ultra organized. Like I certainly wasn't. And so I think that the reality is that it's one step at a time and we're all just kind of guessing and flailing out there. And so for me, it started off as, oh, it'll probably be this just one freelancing project type of thing. Like that's kind of how the thought process was in my head. I actually took on a social media freelancing project for a startup company at the very, very beginning of my journey. And I ghost wrote a ton of content for this social media marketing startup. So that kind of planted the seed that maybe I could really leverage my social media knowledge or just my knowledge in general and monetize it. And so again, from there, it was not an overnight thing at all. You're probably not going to be on track from the get-go to answer your question. I'm still learning the best ways to run and organize my business after two plus years. So yes, it is definitely scary, but I think the secret is to just be okay with that, just to be okay with that. It's scary to trust yourself and to be smart along the way. You know, I'm not saying jump into the darkness. I didn't actually quit my job until I was pretty much matching my income, my sales job income through brand deals first. So you do have to take some measures to protect yourself, of course. But other than that, you've got to, you've got to just leap. And from there, trust yourself to make it work. At the end of the day, the worst thing that could happen is that you end up back at your nine to five, which yes, may not be ideal, but you've already been there, right? You've already lived it or are living it. And so at worst, you'll just be back where you already are. And at best, you won't be. And so to me that it's so, so worth going for it and being scared. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that there are ways that you can be prepared straight from the get-go. But as long as you're smart, do the things you need to do legally once you are making you know, the amount of money where you need to be paying taxes and all of those things. And otherwise, just do it messy. Okay, so the next question is, what were your go-to learning resources for educating yourself on content creation, social media marketing, etc. when you were first getting started? That is such a great question because I love bragging on the OG creator who got me into content creation in the first place because it really shows the ripple effect of creators, inspiring creators, and just how much your content matters. So just to kind of give you the short explanation of this, I when I first got into my content creation journey, I wanted to be a travel influencer. Don't know if you knew that about me. And so that is what I was working towards. So I followed a travel influencer, or at the time she was, named Christina Galbato. And she was living my dream life, right? Like I was like, wow, she is making a living by creating content for hotels and getting to travel the world for free and all of those things. And 
she was kind of my first resource. Even though she didn't yet have actual like resources to invest in, I was studying her like every single day, every single post. I really took advantage of my role models, I guess, of my peers around me. And so again, this goes back to the research thing. It is so, so, so important. And then Christina, she actually transitioned into a coach because of course, so many people were asking her, how are you traveling for a living? And so she did start educating about social media. And of course, I invested in her resources. And so she was my very first investment, I would guess, or at least larger investment into social media resources. And I did really learn a lot from her. It was kind of a different time. Like I was still kind of pursuing like, it was like when video content hadn't even popped off. Like I'm talking, I was still working at it with photos and stuff. So it was a while ago. And now Christina has had multiple shifts in her niche. And now she educates about online courses and stuff like that. But the really cool part is that Christina inspired me to get my foot into this world. I did it. And now I help others get their foot into this world. But another creator inspired Christina to start getting into this world in the first place. And like, it's just so crazy, the impact and the reach that you really can have with your content. You can hear me get all riled up about it, (laughs) but it's just crazy. Like this, this shit's really life changing. And if you want to make an impact, you know, on the world around you, I just can't think of a more fun way to do it than content creation. I'm getting so off track with the question. Um, But the question was my go-to learning resources. And so at the end of the day, I'm always going to suggest Christina Galbato, even though she has kind of leaned a little bit more on her page now to online course creation and stuff. She still has tons of resources about Instagram growth, brand deals, What's the other one? Blogging, um, which is something I don't have many resources on or any resources on. So she could definitely be a help there. So yeah, I will try to remember to drop her at or her link in the show description for you if you guys want to check her out. So I stuck with her all the way from her freebies to her courses to her mastermind and invested in pretty much all of her resources at the beginning of my journey. And it is so full circle and crazy because I followed Christina since I was a literal teenager in high school, like scrolling her content in my high school classes. And then I actually got to meet her in person as a part of her mastermind just a few years ago. So it's just really wild. It's crazy the opportunity social media can bring you. And yeah, she is a great resource for getting started too. All right. The next question is, what would you consider the most important tip or advice for being a successful UGC creator? Okay. So I'm going to say this point Blake, get your clients results. I am seeing like way too many UGC creators and even UGC coaches, like kind of focusing too much on the aesthetics side of things. And Like, yes, that's a good way to get one-off clients, but then whenever you don't actually get them conversions on the back end, it's not a good way to get repeat clients, which is actually the sustainable way to do this, right? Because you want to have more predictable income. You want to have that long-term brand partnership so that it's reliable, okay? So essentially, brands will have no problem paying you big for your ads if your ads get them paid big. So my best tip is to learn how to create content that actually converts 
which is why I emphasize how to do this so much in my UGC A to Z course, because that is how you get high paying and long-term UGC deals, basically making it where you're now this like essential part of their monthly revenue, right? Like I have clients who have re-signed me for literal years because they can rely on me to get them results. And so it's much, much easier for them to have someone in their back pocket that they already know can get them results than to be constantly out searching for new creators and hoping that they can get them results. So you really just want to stand out in that way. And I think that is the absolute best secret to becoming a successful and full-time UGC creator. Next question is, are you scheduling content in advance and do you use a scheduling tool or do you find posting manually performs better? So I went through a phase of scheduling content out, but mostly because I was working with Metricool, which is a website that auto schedules posts, kind of like Planable or Planoli and all of those other ones. And so I was working with them. I had been experimenting with it for a while. I got into this phase where I was like hooked on it. I was promoting them. And then I was like, okay, After a while, I really wanted to like have my hands on it and be more in the moment. Like for me, not everyone's like this. Some people love to plan ahead, but I'm kind of more of an intuitive creator. And so I was just finding myself like almost feeling like the caption I had written previously had gotten stale by the time it auto published and I had wished it was different. And so yeah, it was just this whole thing where I wanted to get my hands on it. Now, I don't think that it's going to hinder your performance on your page if you do use an auto publisher as long as it's one that Instagram approves of and works with, you know, like Metricool and I believe Planable. But also Instagram now has a schedule your post feature. So you can whenever you are in the draft section like before you actually hit publish on your post, it should give you an option now to schedule it for later. I think it's under the advanced settings. So you have to click under there and then go to schedule this post. So that is very convenient. And you don't have to worry about that hindering your performance at all, of course. I do think that's particularly helpful and great for those of you who are still working another job to automate in that kind of way so that you know you can avoid burnout and kind of get ahead of that. And I also, like I said, I don't think you should worry about reach if you aren't doing it through Instagram. So yeah, do whatever works best for you. I just happen to not be doing that at this time. All right. The next question is, do you have any recommendations for digital products in the health niche that are not recipe books? Okay. I actually have, I do. I have so many recommendations for this, but from what I know about this commenter's content, I actually have some ideas for this specific creator drawing off of their previous content. They just had a viral video kind of recently. And so the reason I bring this up is because I want you guys to see the kind of specificity that I would put into a digital product instead of just calling it like the health niche, right? So this creator recently had a video go viral about PCOS and reversing PCOS. So something like a course maybe on how you naturally reversed your PCOS or even like a starter guide to naturally reversing PCOS or a how-to guide on alleviating PCOS symptoms. And I would even see something like health challenges working really well for you or for other creators in the health niche. So like 30-day PCOS queen challenge or something like that. Or if you don't want to do PCOS related, like even like a 15-day wellness makeover, something like that. There's just so many options beyond recipe books. And what I think you should do is really make it stand out 
as something that's different from everything that you're seeing around you and make it more specific to your story. Of course, with the health niche specifically for everyone who is listening, there are some legalities here, you know, with certain certifications and stuff like that. But I know that this person does have a lot of certifications. So yes, you need to think about those things. But as long as you are covered there, there's just so many options within the health niche. Okay. The next question is, what are your thoughts on the current state of the influencer slash creator economy? And do you think brands will increase their budgets in Q4? So this was such an interesting question to me. And this all is just a prediction. Okay. Like there are people out there who are experts in this kind of stuff and predictions and all of that. And I am not that person, but this is just like my thought process. So notoriously so far, marketing budgets overall are way up from, you know, like five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe, but are actually going down a little bit from maybe the last couple years because of just, you know, the state of our economy, which makes sense. But what is so interesting though, is that even though marketing budgets overall may be cut a little bit, I actually don't see this impacting the creator economy or the UGC economy specifically in a negative way. And it maybe even impacts them in a positive way. And so the reason for that is because even though overall marketing budgets may be going down, UGC budgets seem to be going up. And that is possible because what brands are doing is allocating their funds differently, right? So spending less on professionally high produced ads and more on those organic UGC ads by everyday people like you and me, right? So because those are the ads that are getting the best return right now, we're seeing a little more investment in that. And again, this is just my perspective from what I've been personally seeing. But yeah, those are my thoughts. And I absolutely love that question because it forced me to kind of think a little bit. And yeah, you should always be doing that, always be questioning things and looking into the market and doing your own research. But I do think that it is a amazing time to get into UGC if it's something that you're interested in. Next question, how often should I be posting on TikTok per day? And do you have any specific times of day that you recommend posting? So at the end of the day, consistency is key, but that doesn't mean posting three times per day. And I think that's a big misconception. So what I always recommend is looking at your own schedule and your own lifestyle instead of what you're supposed to do and what everyone's saying you're supposed to do on social media. So what I mean by that is set a number of posts per week that feels attainable to you and your current schedule and just try to stick to that consistently for a while see how it goes. If you have all the time in the world, sure, one to three times per day, that would be great. I would lean more towards one per day because that's just how my energy leans. And I won't be able to create a bajillion high quality pieces, right? I just know myself. So again, think about that too. Whenever I was growing, I was usually doing one per day, maybe two if I was just like feeling it that day. And as far as the actual time of day that you post, again, please just do what's easiest for you. Don't get too hung up on this. Don't keep yourself up to a certain hour or try to sneak away when it's not easy just to post. I really don't focus on that. I just post when the content is done, usually unless it's a pretty odd hour, like super, super early in the morning or super, super late at night. But if you're the type of person who does do better with structure, like I'm I'm not really, I'm an off the cuff person, but if you need that structure, pick a time of day that you tend to have free most days and post at that time each day. 
It really can be that simple. Our next question is, fitness and Pilates trends can change rapidly. How do you keep up with the latest trends and incorporate them into user-generated content strategies? So what's kind of nice about user-generated content, I mean, it could be nice or bad depending on like where the brand will be using your content, but trending audios are not really a factor because you have to use commercial sounds only in both paid ads as well as sponsored content. So a lot of times those trending sounds aren't really even accessible for user-generated content. Now, if they are going to be posting the content organically to their own social media, that is when using trending sounds is largely acceptable depending, again, on the brand, which is unfortunate that it's not always consistent. So if you're hired for that role specifically, I would either download an app like Trend Talk or Real Trends, which can show you like trend data and alerts, or just dedicate some time to doing trend research and manually scrolling and searching for content in your niche and which audios are trending. Something you can incorporate though in the world of UGC as far as trends is structural trends, for example. So like noticing if you're seeing UGC ads with more voiceovers or if they're more talking to camera or if they're more product demos and stuff like that and being mindful of what is trending in that capacity in certain industries. And that is definitely something that I would recommend noting. But as far as the audios, you can only do what you can do with the commercial sound restrictions. Next question, what platforms do you find most effective for opportunities for user-generated content and why? Okay, Fiverr, TikTok, and Instagram. This is honestly so overthought for UGC creators. It really can be that simple. So as a UGC creator, you're a freelancer, right? Just like any other freelancer. So ask yourself, where does any other type of freelancer get clients? And that is places like Fiverr, Upwork, Indeed. So platforms like that, as well as through intentional social media marketing. So on TikTok and Instagram. There are, you know, those sites that connect creators and brands like Octoly or whatever. Um, but I don't love those or promote those personally because they do have super, super rigid terms. So that means you like have to sell all of your rights away and you can't negotiate them. However, there is this one brand that actually sends out UGC opportunities to apply to via email each week. So if you just sign up for their free newsletter, you'll get opportunities sent to you. And I love them because in this way, you can negotiate your own terms. So they'll match you up if you're compatible price-wise, but then you can chat on your own with the brand and negotiate separately. So I will, again, try to remember to throw the link in the show description for you so you can sign up for their free newsletter. Next question, how to ask for enough money but not too much money with a new brand partnership? Okay. So again, remember that as a UGC creator, you're just a freelancer. And that means that there's not necessarily a right or wrong amount to charge. Yes, there are definitely industry standards and formulas and pricing that I have all in my UGC course. But at the end of the day, you get to decide what your time and what your likeness is worth to you. And there are so many factors that go into coming up with a rate like how the brand will be using the content, what type of ad they'll be running, how long they'll be running the ad, etc. If I was going to give you like very basic parameters, I absolutely would not charge any less than $100 or $150 per video, no matter your follower count, it doesn't matter. And if the rate that you go in with is too high, they will just counter. So 
then on the, so on the other side of the spectrum, on the higher end, don't be afraid to go for what you think your worth is because the worst that can happen is they just say no and then counter. It's usually never like a no, bye forever. I hate you. It's always like a, okay, well, will you do this? So don't be afraid to go in high and don't worry too much as long as the numbers feel good to you. I have all of the formulas and scripts and templates you could possibly need for coming up with some industry standards for yourself for like different UGC scenarios and usage rights and stuff like that in my UGC A to Z course, if that's something you guys are struggling to grasp. But like I said, ultimately at the end of the day, it's up to what you're comfortable with. All right. And our final question, what is your best strategy for staying consistent to your content pillars if you're a lifestyle creator or a personal brand? Okay. So that's a really good question because I know a lot of people struggle with the whole lifestyle concept. And the key to content pillars is to tell a story with them. And I think that nobody talks about that. But in my opinion, that's what content pillars are for. So it's not really about just choosing a few random topics in your niche. It's more about asking yourself, what is the outcome I want for my viewers after they become a part of my community? And then asking what handful of things will they need to know about and learn about in order to get that outcome? And that is the way that you plan your content pillars. And that is how you make them serve more of a purpose than just, you know, like dividing up your content randomly. It's more of an intentional guide to a specific outcome, right? All right. That is the end of all of our pre-submitted questions. If you didn't catch part one, definitely go back and listen to that episode because it is full of a ton more juicy questions as well. And let me know if you want to do more Q&A episodes like this in the future, and I will be sure to put that on the list. All right, guys, catch you next time. If you liked this episode, it would make my day to hear about it. Please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on Instagram and tag me at Gina Galliotto or shoot me a DM letting me know so I can continue sharing episodes you love. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Social Spectrum podcast and leave a five-star review so we can stay in each other's worlds. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Until next time, friend. Thank you.